hashtag SAFM Sound Awake. Nazim Khwadboom on Twitter saying good morning and thanks for your good morning message. Fem, also on our poll question, you're saying, yes, if government, they must run independently. So, yes, our heritage sites should run independently, according to you, then uh, Nazim. Mukona Justice, Marandela, we note your good morning message there from Honeydew. Thanks for always tuning in, Fem. And uh, let's get into training topics now. Our time is 12 minutes past four. Trending news right now. So let's discuss what's happened in uh, social media in the past uh, 24 hours. Katleko Silwadi, our social commentator, joins us now. Katleko, how are you this Wednesday? Very good, thank you. How are you, Asanda? I'm good, thanks so much. It's quite heavy today, our list. It's uh, very much, yeah, goodness. This is, yeah, all of it's heavy, heavy, heavy. But let's talk about it. It's what's trending. Uh, the first story, the hashtag grade six story, that mathematics teacher who was shot on uh, school premises, 52-year-old Tulani Mangoi being shot dead in the parking area of a primary school while sitting in his vehicle uh, in Cape Town there. Uh, the, the, I don't know if the belief is that it is the grade six learner who shot him or what is the story because there's still some investigations going on. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, you know, it is uh, alleged that um, the person who shot him was somebody, you know, who was uh, a scholar himself. And, you know, he had had an altercation or a situation where, you know, um, the teacher, Tulani Mangoyi, was uh, reprimanding him. And, you know, that may have ruffled his feathers. And, you know, apparently that uh, he ha- he's the one who has now, you know, shot uh, the math uh, teacher. But um, you know, we still don't know who have who has done this. Um, there are no cameras um, that we do know. Uh, but you know, somebody in the neighbor has also come out to say that um, you know she saw somebody who was wearing um, school pants, grey school pants. So yeah, we have to see what will unfold from this. This seems like it was planned. It was meditated. I mean, this teacher was in the parking area of the primary school. Uh, there were guns involved. The security that's at the school was also held at gunpoint. It seems like they were waiting for him. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking to myself that, um, you know, we're not saying out in the streets is better to, you know, kill someone. Um, but to do it at a school um, does sound premeditated, does sound planned and, and arranged and just knowing and just being precise, you know, about the timing of, of it all. Um, apparently this happened at quarter to eight in the morning. So you can imagine teachers have just arrived, mm. um, school kids are flocking in. So, you know, the person knew, you know, what happens um, at, at which times and when would be the perfect time to, to, to shoot. And since when can teachers not reprimand scholars? Kanti, what are teachers supposed to do? What are they in, installed in our communities for? I don't understand how, I mean, it's saying that the day before, this grade six learner was reprimanded by this teacher, and then afterwards he gets shot and killed. First of all, okay, so that's the first question. Since when can teachers not stand uh, in places of authority or stances of authority and reprimand children? Second of all, does it make sense that a grade six learner would be the one carrying out this attack of this magnitude, a murder? I mean, grade six is like an 11-year-old, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think 10, that, 11, um, around there, yeah. Yeah, this speaks to a larger issue around, you know, the crime um, in, in, in our schools and in our communities. 
because, you know, this is not the first incident where we've heard of a student, you know, attacking a teacher. We've seen videos circulating on social media. So I think a larger conversation needs to happen about the crime in our communities, which then, you know, finds itself in uh, uh, being played out by children at a young age. Um, and, you know, it shocks us to say, how does a 11-year-old, 12-year-old, um, you know, execute something like this? But if you think about you know, this is what they see in their community, this is what they see in their homes, um, you know, then it, it becomes easier, even in terms of access. You know, you'd ask yourself, where did this person find the gun, you know? Can they uh, even carry a gun? I mean, that thing is heavy on an adult's hand. And it, 11-year-old, <laughs> guys, how? Absolutely. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's just, um, as I say, you know, a larger conversation needs to happen around um, the crimes, you know, that uh, Philippi is in Cape Town, you know, close to uh, the Cape Flats. Um, we know of the gang violence that happens there um, and, and how, you know, children from a young age are almost groomed and, um, you know, they grow up living in these circumstances and, you know, become um, children and adults who are able to execute these kind of uh, crimes. I want to believe it's not this grade six learner who actually carried out their attack. Because, first of all, there were two unknown suspects that fled the scene. And the the police, I mean, is still investigating. And this is just my uh, analysis of the issue. And I'm not a police officer, obviously. I don't know these matters. I'm not in forensics either. But maybe I'm dissociating. I don't want to believe an 11 or 12-year-old could carry a gun and go premeditate murder for their teacher. I'm thinking maybe this child went home and complained about whatever there is that they were reprimanded on. And then other people, maybe in gangs around the child, who don't want order in the community thought now this 52-year-old teacher is being a threat uh, to whatever they, you know, violence they want to continue doing or carrying out in the community. That's really what I want to believe. And I hope that's what it turns out to be. And it's not this 11-year-old who killed this man. Mm. I, I think that, um, you know, your narrative is not perfect at all. Um, but, um, you know, how, how threatened can... A 12-year-old feel, you know, by a 52-year-old, you know, it, it's really a, a parent-to-child relationship there. And, um, and you know, if this is the case, what did the teacher do that is so bad, you know, that um, the child felt like um, they needed to report to, a, a, you know, a, a gang or, you know, somebody to, who has access to a gun and they only, you know, um, way to resolve this is not to come to the teacher and say, you know, what is going on with this child, but rather to shoot at at um, at the teacher. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very confusing at this point, and, you know, we don't know what happened, um, but hopefully, you know, um, like I said, there weren't any cameras around. Uh, security guards were held at gunpoint. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. There's no ways an 11-year-old child will have the goals to hold up security guards at gunpoint, guys. I'm just like... How crazy is this? Because it seems even those people who would do that, they would know that they were seen. If you go into security guards and hold them at gunpoint, you know you're going to be seen. So that speaks to just the liver you have, almost like you're used to this violence that you're doing. It's not a once-off. Absolutely. Um, as I mentioned that, you know, Philippi is close to the Cape Flats, yeah. and we know of the violence that happens there. The good news, though, is that, um, you know, students and teachers will receive uh, counseling, um, you know, for, for the trauma that they've witnessed. As you can imagine, you know, we've always been saying that 2020 and 2021 has been a lot for children and school kids. And, you know, to witness something like this, 
um, you know, can be disturbing for their um, academics, um, especially so such because we're so close to the end of the year. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's good to hear that they'll be receiving counselling, but um, yeah, a rather unfortunate situation here. That's great because that would be the next thing I was going to ask if there's going to be counselling. That's quite important uh, for them. Community members, what should they do in this? As you say, this is an area that's riddled with gang-related shootings, but I'm sure they know. They know what's going on. Absolutely. And I mean, even ministers and MECs, when they say, you know, in their, in their statements and when speaking to the media, when they say they are shocked, I find that um, to be quite appalling because um, they run these uh, uh, communities and, and municipalities. What do, you, what do they mean that they are shocked? And I think that, um, you know, as we get closer and closer to the elections, people need to look at these kind of things, you know, um, when, when casting that vote to say, what am I receiving for the, from the current, um, you know, uh, party in ruling the area or running the area? Um, and, 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 you know, what, because this is a service issue. Safety for me is a service delivery issue. Um, and, you know, K-Flats and the gang violence, they continue. It's, it's been going on for years and years. But um, what are our leaders doing about it? Uh, community members have uh, protested. They've done all that they can. And, you know, I, I do think that they end up taking the law into their, into their own hands, you know, because they, they simply can't rely on uh, the police as well to help um, with the gang violence and the crime that's in the area. The police must be inundated. I mean, uh, just a message from Joseph in Orange Farm saying schools are now a brutal place to be at. The police must be overwhelmed. Hospitals are also brutal places, uh, Joseph. I mean, nurses getting attacked there as well. Where is it not brutal in this country? I'm just uh, wondering. Honestly, it's crazy. Let's move on, though, from this topic. Katlego uh, talking hashtag Rosemary Clover now. Let's speak of the latest developments then in this insurance fraud and murder trial. She's accused of uh, killing six people so she could pocket large insurance uh, payouts. What's the latest? So the latest on this story is that um, the murder trial has been postponed because uh, Rosemary Clover said, you know, she wasn't feeling well. Um, the shackles were too tight on her legs. Um, you know, all sorts of stories. Um, and, and I think that this is, you know, uh, obviously a complete contrast to what we saw last week. You know, somebody who was posing in front of the cameras, um, mm. you know, um, um, quite arrogant and confident that um, in, in herself. And, you know, this week we saw somebody who was feeling ill, somebody who, you know, to, to a point where the uh, case had to be postponed. But, you know, since then we've heard from other family members as well who, who you know, have taken to the stand and, and gave their account of, um, um, you know, incidents that they know and have seen and have witnessed and which are all obviously, you know, contradictory to what Gogu has put um, to the table. Um, so, yeah, it, at this case, uh, or at this point, it's, it's just to see what will happen, you know, when, when uh, the, the case continues. She was saying as she was complaining as well about shackles and all, all of that, uh, that she took her pills and she didn't get enough food before taking those pills and she was a bit dizzy. Do we know what these pills are for exactly? No, we don't know what the pills are for, but we know that um, the reason that she was in shackles to begin with was because um, she allegedly attacked the media um, last week, you know, throwing food at them and, and just being disrespectful towards the media and this is why she is um, in shackles which she has now you know was complaining that they are too tight and and so on 
Okay, so part of that contradiction you speak of was uh, this time she was centering around uh, Audrey Somi Sandlovo, her sister, in terms of questioning. And one of those contradictions being that the sister was uh, a security guard who was only paid 2,700 rand. So how could she manage to be paying substantial amounts for funeral and life cover? Mm. The, I mean, the evidence around this case, you know, it's it's, it's, it's so overwhelming. There, there really is no, you know, two ways around it. We've seen, uh, you know, footage of even her um, speaking to the hitman that she she hired, you know, telling them how exactly to execute all of these crimes, you know, the killing of um, six people. And, um, you know, I, I, I think at, at this point it really is a matter of prestige. I've also just seen on social media people are quite fatigued uh, with the story because they're just in disbelief that, first of all, a cop can execute these kind of crimes, but also, you know, the the the, the evidence that is coming out is, is just so overwhelming that you, you almost just want to see her in jail at this point. And another contradiction being that she was a cop and how she could not know that she needed to preserve the evidence at her sister's home. So after the sister died, going back to the house and uh, using or taking allegedly the cups they had used to drink tea or coffee and putting them in water, that sort of messing up with the evidence there. As a police officer saying that she didn't know she needed to do that, even though she was told by a fellow colleague to not touch those cups. Absolutely. Well, the one thing we know about cross-examinations is that they will dismantle whatever story you have, um, you know, built up or prepared, um, and and you'll find yourself, you know, uh, contradicting yourself. But as you rightfully put it, and in and in this instance, you know, something that did come out is that, um, you know, she knew how to um, access weapons, you know, so that you know there is no evidence. But you know. Here we are, we're sitting with overwhelming in, uh, evidence of, of the whole thing. So I think the, the lesson here is that, you know, what happens in darkness will come to light. And the, the other contradiction being whether it was tea or coffee. At first she said tea, then when she's asked, was it coffee? Then it was coffee, then it was, we're not sure what it is that they were drinking yeah, with the maybe. sister before she passed. Yeah, you know, as I mentioned that, you know, class examinations can be um, quite... Um, Quite, quite quite intense and and people will um you know start you know I, whatever story that they have built um they start losing it and and you know it, it, to to see her even when she cries you know it's, it's just also just difficult to believe that she is remorseful and and I don't know what it is about court that people do this you know we've seen it with the former presidents as well where you know the one we keep singing and then the following week, you know, the person is said to be ill and, and can't handle the pressure. So, you know, we're grateful for the lawyers that are doing their job in, 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 in the courts. And hopefully we get to the bottom of this. I think that um, even, you know, the family members that are left, the grandmother, the mother um, and, and cousin, you know, who have come out. Are, 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 and, and I mean, even the, the children of um, um, her, sister, her sister's kids, mm. you know, and, and husband who who also wants answers, they, they, I think they'd also like to put this to rest and, and you know, find some sort of way to move on. And again, I mean, we've been saying that I think this will change the way insurance claims and policies are, first of all, given and how they are paid out because the, you know, audio recording made by insurance companies came forward and found that it sounded like her that was on the voice, uh, 
possibly pretending to be her sister. And also, I mean, the fact that we're saying the sister was a security guard earning only 2,700 rand, and how could she have been able to afford? And then talking about, you know, the stringent salary checks that probably need to be done before one can open a policy. So all these factors that I guess will change how life and funeral cover is uh, panned out. Yeah, um, and, and I think it will be interesting to see how quickly, you know, insurance companies um, uh, implement any changes because we know that, I mean, this is a, a bigger issue. You know, it's an industry um, and it functions differently in different parts of the world. So it will be interesting to see what uh, changes um, are made and how soon those changes are implemented. Okay, let's talk hashtag advocate Dalimpofu. Uh, this is when Jacob Zuma uh, pushing to have state prosecutor Billy Downer removed from his corruption case that he's involved in, in this uh, particular topic. What were the main arguments of his lawyer, Dalimpofu? You know, here we have um, advocate Dalimpofu who is uh, representing the former president, as you actually put it, and he's just claiming that, you know, the NPA doctors are harassing the former president by insisting that they examine him before the military um, doctors complete the, their report. So he's essentially saying, you know, that he's being treated unfairly. And the prosecutor here um, is, you know, too passionate are the words that he used um, about, um, you know, prosecuting the, the, the former president. Also, the lawyer, Dalimpofu, advocate Dalimpofu, accusing the prosecution of criminal conduct. On what grounds? Well, he said that um, he he feels that they they are not uh, uh, they they don't have the title to be you know um, presiding over this case. They are not competent, and you know if you just listen to some of the words that are used, um, you know whether in the media or in, in courts itself, it really is stalling. You know the way I see it, and not addressing the key issue mm. and the matter. I, I do think that um, you know in this case he is just doing his job. But um, I, I think that deep down in his heart, he, he knows that, um, you know, this, this, there they are no grounds for, for, you know, the comments that he's making or the claims that he's making. And of course, uh, Jacob Zuma was not in court. But the other accusation from his advocate, uh, Mpofu, was uh, the NPA doctors of being vouchers. He's accusing them of being vouchers. What were the grounds on that statement? Again, just, you know, him saying that um, they're taking advantage and, and, you know, bringing in their personal vendettas into the case and their personal passions for pursuing the case. And, and, and I mean, when we look at what needs to happen, right, we, mm-hmm. we, we need the medical report to know that, you know, just to get through the case of whether the medical parole, um, you know, whether that, that was correct. You know, yeah. um, we know that at the time they didn't want to present us or, or present a, a report or for us to know how the president was doing or the former president was doing. We just were told that, um, you know, he is not well, he's not medically fit and that he needed to be granted medical parole. So at, at, this, case, at this point, all we need, honestly, is evidence and nothing else matters. All the stalling and calling people vouchers and, you know, almost wanting to choose who must prosecute you is, is you know, it's uncalled for behavior. Okay, let's move overseas. Uh, hashtag Emmanuel Macron, the French president, who has asked Algerians who fought for France during Algeria's war of independence 
for, for forgiveness. So he was heckled, as one can imagine. I mean, when you go to these issues of past pain and atrocities, as much as people have moved on, they don't really completely move on. They don't forget. Mm. And, you know, this is very uh, similar to what we have here as apartheid, you know, where we try and put in measures. But, um, you know, I was just thinking to myself that when your child drowns in a long drop um, toilet, you know, those are the small things because of where, you know, your home is situated. Those are the ho- those are the things that remind you that we can never truly get over apartheid because, it, it, it one, it's systematic, but two, it has, you know, people live the lives that they live today because of it. And, you know, in this instance, I guess, you know, France is trying to, to make amends and, and do what they can. But um, as you actually put it, it's not something that, you know, money can even um, 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 resolve. And the thing is, the effects go on a generational basis. So these uh, uh, Algerians who fought for France uh, are known as the Harkis. Um, a lot of Harkis uh, lived in poor conditions and behind, you know, barbed fenced wires after the government refused to recognize their rights to stay in France. So some were even sent back to Algeria. And those people were, you know, now subjects of uh, targets in terms of killing because or killings because they were seen as traitors. What do you think France should have done in terms of making sure that uh, I don't know if they could have made sure, but to at least do more than what they did do? What could they have done differently in France? I think that is a difficult one because, um, you know, you can sit in, in conversation and hear from the Haikis themselves to to um, hear what they what they want. And But I, I've just seen how when people sit in those discussions, it's almost as if, okay, once we've done that, that means we can move on. You know, but as you actually put it, that it's, it's a generational thing. It's, it's, it's something that each generation has to see how they can contribute towards... Um, amending, um, you know, because I don't think it's something that you can fix, really. It's, it's history. It has happened. Um, 400,000 people dead um, and, uh, mm. and others not being able to, to sustain the lives that they potentially could have, um, you know, being rejected, you know, uh, uh, crucified if you do and crucified if you don't. So, um, yeah, I don't think this is a, 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 a scenario where, you know, um, uh, it, it, it can be forgotten or, you know, things can be, we, we can easily move on. But I do think that each and every generation can try to, 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 do, to do its best um, to, to make amends where possible. And previous French presidents have offered their apologies uh, before. Why do you think Macron felt it's necessary to now also offer another apology? Yeah. Uh, you know, to the point that we're making that each generation and each president that needs to come in, um, because it's, it's a long-standing thing, um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of history, it will never change now. It's, it's, it's just for each generation to see, you know, at the level that, for example, with Emmanuel Macron, when he comes into president, how how do they continue that project or, 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 or you know, um, how, how do they um, implement changes or, you know, contribute in their own ways? To making sure that you know they they can do um, what what is possible to, to for the hikes at this point. Yeah, let's leave it there. Thanks again uh, for your time, Katleko. Uh, have a happy Wednesday. Let's switch. <laughs> let's try and switch from these heavy topics that we just uh, touched on, and uh, have a, a great Wednesday for a bit. We need to detach. Yeah, a little bit. A um, little thank bit. You and enjoy. Um, 
Heritage Day that is coming. Looking forward to that. Oh, yes. Yeah, we won't be speaking on that day. So I'll, I'll catch up with you next week. So you also have a great one. All right, then. Bye. Thanks. Katla Kosiluadi, social commentator, discussing social media trends in the last uh, 24 hours.